This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. Subway to Shea podcast, Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. Episode 91 from the Subway to Shea studios in my office. And like I mentioned last episode, this is part two of my conversation with John Sapanaro. He is the co-host of Till Mets Do Us Part on the CHOP Sports Network with Matt A.B. Ibanez. He also hosted the Bartolo Colon panel at the QBC. I got to talk with him and see how that went. I didn't get to go out to QBC. Um, I had previous engagements that I had to attend, but I hope to attend it next year. I've always heard good things about it, and I'm looking forward to doing it in 2023. But without further ado, we're going to get to the second part of my conversation with John Sapanaro. We talked about Eric Chavez becoming bench coach and what that means for the Mets moving forward and into the future, especially with what's going to happen when Buck Showalter leaves. So we're going to get into that. We're also going to get into predictions, what John thinks is the most logical predictions to happen coming in, well, coming out of the offseason and where the Mets will go. So without further Further ado, let's get into the second part of my conversation with John Sapanaro. John, it's now time to talk about these New York Mets again. Uh, very cold, freezing, blizzardy type stove. It won't even <laughs> turn us on, you know, it won't even turn on for us right now. Might as well sit in the icebox. All kidding aside, there's been some movement, albeit on the coaching side of things, but it's a very important move. Eric Chavez will now replace Glenn Sherlock as the bench coach on the team, and I think Glenn Sherlock's going to become the catching coach I think they mentioned but I gotta say how fitting is it for me to have you on to discuss this when right around this time last year you and Ibby had me on to discuss the hiring of Glenn Sherlock it's fate (laughs) it really is a full circle moment for anybody who (laughs) listens to your show and listens to our show and they should by the way because both shows are really fun and really well done Um, but we were talking about that on our show earlier in the week because we started talking about Eric Chavez and, and Ibby brought it up he was like you know we, we had Ant on from Subway to Shea, and we just we had this deep dive. We were talking about how the, the stove was so cold, and you know, we were in a lockout, so we couldn't really talk about anything else, and you know, the similarities between the two. And it is pretty fitting um, that we talk about bench coach uh, here again, almost like a, a year to the day, basically. Um, I will say this. Uh, we talked about it on our show. I think it makes a lot of sense all the way around the organization. Uh, yeah. Billy Epler came out and basically said, hey, look, we're worried about losing guys. Jeremy Barnes uh, potentially was going to go somewhere else and be a hitting coach. They didn't want to lose that. Um, obviously, uh, they don't want to lose a, a baseball mind like Eric Chavez. They were able to go get him. But I said on my show, and I think this is true, 
I think there was probably a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge from last year. Because if you remember, you know, all the reports were that Eric Chavez was signing with the Yankees to be their hitting coach. And all of a sudden, a few hours later, it was like, no, 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 no. He's actually signing with the Met to yeah. take a different role. And it's an elevated role. That was the initial report was that he was signing with the Mets for a better opportunity. But then you flash forward and it was like, well, no, he's just the hitting coach of the Mets. So I think what happened was there was something along the lines of, hey, we want you long-term to potentially groom you for a manager role, but we want to bring you on in a way that we know that you can help pay immediate dividends that's going to be a less learn-on-the-job, learn-on-the-fly kind of maneuver. Because I thought it was strange when they were going to hire Buck Showalter, I remember saying to Ibby, I would love one of those other candidates who uh, have never managed before if they don't get a job elsewhere and they hire Buck to be the bench coach so that you could have an heir apparent. You can have somebody learning from him. And I remember when they hired Glenn Sherlock, I was kind of like, that's a curious choice getting, yes. you know, two guys of a similar age. And, you know, it feels very rinse and repeat. But now looking back big picture, it seems as though there was probably a conversation with Eric Chavez of like, look, come on here. We're not saying in one year you're going to be the bench coach, but what we want is we, we see a path of growth for you in this organization. And so why don't you come on, be the hitting coach. There's going to be an opportunity. Now you can learn not only from a great, you know, manager like Buck who just won his fourth manager of the year award, but we're also going to install a guy who's been a bench coach before in Glenn Sherlock. So if you want to pick his brain, you can, he's going to be there. If you want to kind of learn in this role while doing your other role, as long as it doesn't detract from that, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. So I thought it was a savvy move all the way around. I don't have any information to back that up, by the way. I'm just looking at the entire picture. And that's what it seems like to me, because otherwise, why wouldn't he have just taken the other job with the Yankees? Why did he leave, you know, when he left to go work for the Mets in the same role? I think the common thread is Billy Epler. Billy yeah. Epler hired him as a special assistant with the Yankees when he was there, and he also hired him in the same capacity with the Angels when he was GM there. So obviously they have a good relationship, and I think it's smart. I think Eric Chavez was a really, really good baseball player. I think he was a smart baseball player, and um, I, I'm not writing the uh, swan song of Buck Showalter's career as a manager because I think he's got a lot to give still, but I think the Mets have positioned themselves in a way where, you know, if – Let's say, because Buck's not a young man. Let's say in a year or two, Buck's like, look, man, I'm, I'm kind of exhausted by this grind. You know, we gave it a good go, but, you know, we either won or we didn't. Um, and, and now I'm, I'll take a job in the organization, kind of a la Terry Collins, but I don't want to be the manager every day. Well, now all of a sudden you're stuck holding the bag. If you got a guy like Eric Chavez there, who's now, you know, at that point going to be there for three, four years, you're not really stuck holding the bag anymore. You've got somebody and you don't have to pivot the way that they had to pivot to bring in Louis Rojas, who, you know, was a good baseball man, but was not ready for that job. You know, it, the way everything went down, but, you know, you don't want guys when it's too too early and they really have no big league experience yeah and he provided a lot for being a hitting coach the offense if you look from 2021 to 2022 it went from 10th in batting average to first on base percentage went 10th to second slugging mm -hmm. 12th to fifth uh, OPS 12 to fourth. I mean, those are big leaps. I mean, I know the offense struggled in September. They ran out of gas, obviously. You mentioned it earlier. You couldn't have just relied on 
uh, Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor, who were doing almost everything, playing every day. They actually got tired during the end of the season. And I, I thought this was a good hire as the hitting coach. He did a good job. And, and, you know, you mentioned about the whole thing about, you know, going to be the bench coach and then being set up to possibly be the manager. That's definitely what I took out of that. One thing that I was curious about was, you know, last week it was mentioned in a Mike Puma article that the Mets were trying to gauge interest in Carlos Beltran joining the coaching staff. And I wonder Mm -hmm. if that was they really wanted Beltran first to probably be the bench coach and then take over as manager. I don't know if that's that's I'm just going off of my own, you know, assumption here. But it is kind of curious that, you know, they go to Carlos Beltran last week, and now this week we got the move with Chavez and, um, you know, Barnes being promoted. I knew that Glenn Sherlock was not going to be the manager following this. I, I felt like they had to go with someone young uh, to bring up. And it's funny you mentioned them bringing in one of the other guys. I think it was, uh, what was it, Matt Cotraro from the Rays or yeah, the guy from Joe Houston, Espada. Joe Espada. It's interesting that, you know, a lot of the people who didn't want Buck Showalter and wanted one of those two guys, uh, they're very upset about Buck being hired. But, you know, these guys have had other interviews post-Mets, and they didn't get those jobs either. Yeah. And look, I got to wear that because I, I went on record saying that I didn't want Buck Showalter because I thought Buck Showalter was out of touch, you know, um, just from some of the stuff that he was doing on, on TV at the time when he was not a manager. I, I just didn't love some of the breakdown, some of the analysis. It's, he seemed like a guy who was out there collecting a paycheck. And maybe he was because that wasn't his passion. Maybe he was doing something that, you know, a, an opportunity that came his way, but it was not the thing he wanted to do. Um, and I quickly admitted until Mets do his part, even before the Mets ever played a game under Buck Showalter, I was like, I think I was wrong because just the, the poise and the stability and, you know, how well he handles the media. Like, you know, Buck was the guy. And, um, you know, so I, I wanted, I, I don't remember who my pick was, but it was one of the other two guys. It was either Espada or Quattraro because I just loved the organizations that they came from, you know, the pedigree there. Um, but you're right. You know, it's interesting to see that neither one of them has really gotten a job since, despite the fact that they've interviewed for other spots. Uh, the Beltran stuff is curious to me. Um, you know, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse with this point, but but I think it's true. The theme of this uh, episode has kind of been like nothing exists in a vacuum, right? I said it with prospects and with the free agent signings. And I think it's true of the Beltran situation if the Puma report is 100% accurate, where, you know, I don't know that Beltran was their quote-unquote first choice, but I think they looked at it and said, look, we're going to need to get some young, younger blood here in the coaching staff behind Buck. And so how do we do that? Well, we can write this wrong of Carlos Beltran if he's interested. And if he does say yes, maybe that allows them to, you know, keep Eric Chavez where he's at beat, uh, you know, Jeremy Barnes leaves the organization. Maybe that's a domino that falls. Or maybe Eric Chavez wants to leave the organization and Jeremy Barnes becomes, I think they knew that they only had a certain amount of moves on the chessboard. And so they, they moved accordingly to that. So I don't know that he was, and maybe that's semantics, but I don't know that he was their first choice. I just think that they kind of looked at it like, look, we'll go outside the organization first, see how this goes. And then if that doesn't, we'll do this. If that makes, if that makes their, their choice here with Eric Chavez option two, then fine. But I just think it's more of the Mets doing their due diligence. And I mentioned this until Mets do his part this week, you know, it's so refreshing to see them do that because, you know, what's the one that we always talk about? The one that got away is um, Stern. 
Stearns, David Stearns. You know, Omar Minaya said this kid's good. He's bright. Jeff Wilpon, we need to open up a job for him. Jeff Wilpon poo-pooed it because they didn't want to spend any money in the front office on positions that they didn't think they needed. And now, you know, a lot of Mets fans would give their right arm for Stearns to come back and run the Mets. Yep. You know, and maybe all of that wouldn't have happened if we would have just kept him the way Omar Minaya wanted to. So I think when you look at the scope of this, um, you know, money and arrogance is never going to be the problem for this Mets organization as long as Steve Cohen owns it. Like, everybody's got ego. Cohen, of course, you don't get to be a billionaire without having an ego. And I'm sure there's things he's arrogant about. Again, everybody has that in them. But I think with Wilpon, especially Jeff, there was this, like, don't tell me you know ball better than me. I know. I know what's good for this team. And also then they were cash poor after Madoff. So, you know, you mentioned that, uh, you know, the Mets kind of never really dipped in the first half. We were talking the Mets never really dipped into certain markets. You know, the Mets really never dipped into the international market, even though it made sense as a, you know, kind of high risk, high reward swing because the Mets couldn't afford the high risk. You know, if you go out, if you're the Mets and you sign Cespedes when he comes over from Cuba, if he's the Cespedes that the A's got, that's great. But if he's not, the Mets would have been screwed during that yeah. portion of time because they couldn't afford it. And I know a little bit is probably being burned from Kaz Matsui, but look, that's that's the name of the game. Sometimes you've got to take those risks. And so, you know, I, I think uh, the Mets under the Wolpons wouldn't take those risks because financially they couldn't swallow them, whether it's a front office, a free agent, a trade, whatever – um, and I think now with, with Steve Cohen, Billy Epler, and right on through the organization, you see it's just different now. They're like, okay, what do we need to do to be successful? What do yeah. the Dodgers do? What do the Astros do? Let's do it. Yeah, and the whole thing with Barnes that you mentioned too, that's a that's a big example of that because he was highly coveted. And they said, no, we're not going to lose him. We're going to keep him aboard and he's going to be a part of this team. And that's what they're going to start doing. There are little things that not pertaining to the roster that we're seeing that's showing that this organization, this front office, this team is is totally different now. I mean, we we may yeah. not see it all the time on the field. They may not win, you know, 10 World Series in a row or, you know, they may not win a World Series in the next five years. They may take a dip next year. Uh, they're not going to win 101 games, I don't think. So it's, it's going to be, we, we have to, you know, Take some of the little wins as well because those are very important and, and watch this organization grow because it was drilled all the way to the ground and almost burned by the Wilpon, uh, the Wilpons. So, I mean, this is yeah. a, a great change. Also, uh, Craig Bjornson, who was the uh, bullpen coach, he's leaving the front office along with uh, Jeremy Hefner, who's going to have a big part in searching for the new one. But before I let you go, I want to know your predictions for the offseason. How do you think this signings are going to pan out for the Mets? Who are they going to bring uh, with your, you know, your thoughts? Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I want to just address the first one. Um, I love, 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 love the Edwin Diaz deal. I love yep. that it got done uh, right off the rip. Um, I think that is another signal of a new era, right? I think that's another signal of the, the Steve Cohen effect kind of seen throughout the organization. He said he wanted to be here. The Mets said they wanted him back. And like immediately after they could announce it, he's basically announced that he's coming back. To me, Edwin Diaz was the most important free agent that the Mets had, even more important than Jacob deGrom, simply because the Mets do have Max Scherzer. Um, you know, so there is someone who can be the ace of this staff. 
the Mets have no bullpen, and the Mets had no closer. So to me, Edwin Diaz was top priority number one. I love that they got that done. It was so important. And I also think sometimes you have to reward guys. In years past, I think what would have happened with the Mets and a player like Edwin Diaz is he comes out here, he takes his lumps, he's not good. All of a sudden, he gets slightly better, slightly better, slightly better. In his contract year, he has a year that is as good, if not better, than his already best season that he had in Seattle before we got him. And that player would have looked at this and said, you know what? New York is too much. I I, I performed for them. We made it to the playoffs. I'm going to go. I'm going to get money somewhere else, and I'm going to just ride off into the sunset. I don't need this. But Edwin Diaz was like, no, when I struggled here, it was my fault. I understand that you guys gave me a hard time about it, but now you're on my side because I'm pitching better. Ultimately, that's what I need to do. And so uh, I love it here. I love the way that you guys have embraced me even through all the adversity and I want to stay. And I think you need to reward somebody like that because it is hard to play in New York. So kudos to the Mets for doing that. That said, I think the next most important player is Jacob deGrom. Mm -hmm. I think he is higher on the depth chart for me than Brandon Nimmo. We talked a little bit about Nimmo before. Um, with DeGrom, I think it's twofold. I think it's the production. I said before that I think that the Mets have other people who are under contract that can do what Brandon Nimmo does, at least maybe 75%, 80% of what Brandon Nimmo does in the lineup or in the field um, with without bringing him back. I think they have people that can replace that. They don't have anybody that can replace Jacob DeGrom. If he's on his game, he's the best pitcher in the galaxy. Even if he's not that, he's still going to be better than, I don't know, 80% of pitchers in Major League Baseball. And I also think there's something to be said about the legacy. The yeah. Mets have a rich history of storied players, um, richer than I, I think a lot of people give us credit for. But we could also use more of that. This is the same franchise that saw, you know, Doc not become a Hall of Famer because of stuff off the field. The same franchise that had to watch the, the crumbling of Matt Harvey's career despite all the promise. The same franchise that traded away Tom Seaver when they had no business doing that. Well, you know how you start to change that? Go sign Jacob DeGrom for life. Give him $40 million. I don't care. And they shouldn't care either. Steve Cohen can spend $40 million on a weekend. So go out. I, you know, I know it's easy to spend somebody else's money, but, you know, the guy's worth $17 billion. That's more money than you and I can even conceptually fathom. Like, you don't even know, you know, in $100 bills, what does that fill? A house, a room, a swimming pool? No idea. So just spend the money to keep the guy here that deserves to be here um, and quite frankly deserves the money for all that he's done. So I think that does happen. I think the Mets will bring back DeGrom. I think the other stuff is um, uh, it's, it's window dressing. Yeah, of course Texas is going to be interested in him. Of course a team like the Rays who needs an ace would be interested. Of course the Phillies who like to spend money are going to be interested and they just went to a World Series. But I don't think that any of those teams – are going to be able to push past the Mets because we're talking about a lot of money for a guy where no one's going to have more money to spend than Cohen if he wants to spend it. And because of the legacy, despite the fact that he's an unbelievable pitcher, because of the legacy, he means more to the Mets than anywhere else. I think it's complete uh, BS and nonsense that he doesn't like it here. I think that's overblown, ridiculous rhetoric. Um, going back to earlier when you said it's done – for clicks 
on on the internet. Um, nobody back. Nobody has been able to back that up with anything of substance except for the fact that like he might be a little bit more upset that Max Scherzer gets more money than him. Well, you can fix that right now by giving him more money than Max Scherzer. That's how life works. So I think Degrom will be back. After that, it starts to get a little trickier. Um, I think for their next spot uh, in the rotation, they clearly need Degrom and another pitcher. I would welcome Bassett back. I know they're talking to him. I'm not sure if that's what's going to happen. I am intrigued by Senga out of Japan. Um, I'm also intrigued uh, by potentially making a deal for a starting pitcher if there is one. The tricky part about that is to get a starting pitcher who is young and controllable, you're going to have to give up a lot. And I'm not sure that this farm system is built to give up a lot. Um, After that, I would go for some piece in the offense it would not be bringing back Brandon Nimmo um again ideally I would love Judge but I don't think that's going to happen um I think Trey Turner would be a really good fit on this team I think Carlos Correa would be a really good fit on this team and the reason why I say that is because I think you can put either one of them on the infield and now all of a sudden the trade becomes a little bit more palatable if you sign Carlos Correa and you play him at third base all of a sudden now you can do that DH plan with Escobar that I mentioned earlier um, where he kind of slides all over the field DH is a bunch all that stuff but also now you've locked down third base for who knows six seven eight years whatever amount of money he gets and whatever contract length he gets so now you're looking at a guy like Beatty or Mauricio or both being a little expendable. So maybe you could trade one of them as a headliner, specifically Beatty because he's valued higher, but you could trade one of them as the headliner of a package to go get yourself a starting pitcher. That's the thing that I would look to do. I don't know if the Mets are going to go that way. It's hard now um, the way the organization is run. And I think it's for the positive, but it's hard because a lot of things don't leak. You know, and we've seen situations where, you know, nobody saw Mark Canna. Nobody saw Starling Marte. Yeah. Everybody and their mother reported, oh, Max Scherzer. No, he's not going to sign with the Mets. And then it was like 20 minutes later. Martino said he wouldn't do it. Heyman said he wouldn't do it. All these guys that supposedly know said, no, he's not going to come here. And then boom, he did. So, you know, I think there's probably a move out there that we're we're not expecting that we're going to get. But I would say the Mets make one big trade. And then the Mets are going to sign two more significant players at least, whether that's DeGrom and Nimmo and running it back, or it's, you know, uh, DeGrom and Bassett or DeGrom and Senga. I, I think the Mets are going to spend money on at least two more players. And I think there'll be a trade. It's, it's hard to say who, and I don't want to, I don't want to hedge, but it's just, I can only say what I, what I think they should do based on who I know is available. You know, you look around, baseball i'm sure there are guys available via trade that you and i don't know about so of course that's what i think is going to happen yeah well john i can't thank you enough for joining me usually i do like a half hour podcast and i try to get the guests half hour but i had so much fun (laughs) doing this no there's no apologies (laughs) needed whatsoever i had so much fun doing this i I mean i could keep going for hours with you I, i really appreciate you coming on let everyone know you know what you're working on besides qbc and where they can reach you on social media um, yeah, so I, I, right now I'm off from my Monster Jam schedule, but that's going to kick back up here in earnest after the new year. So I'll be back on the road, back touring pretty much all over the country um, with a uh, Monster Jam stadium series. So I'm excited for that. Uh, we'll, we will be going back to some uh, uh, 
ballparks that we've been to before and obviously some football stadiums as well. So that'll be really cool. Um, you know, I've always got stuff going on here in Los Angeles, trying to play my uh, high art off ball when I can. Um, and then uh, people can find me uh, pretty much across all social media at John Sapanaro. It's just J-O-H-N. S-A-P-O-N-A-R-O. So um, if you if you search my name, uh, it's unique enough where you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and now uh, TikTok as well. I begrudgingly have jumped on the TikTok bandwagon. <laughs> so, um, you know, you can find me on those three social platforms. Once again, John, can't thank you enough, and I hope uh, to have you on again soon. I got to get Ibby on here as well. Um, may I may even split this into two episodes. You may have given me enough content for two episodes already. Well, listen, man. You know, I, I just said I said at the beginning I could talk Mets with anybody uh, for any length of time. So I'm happy that you gave me the ability to come on here and then just talk nonsense the whole time. All right, brother <laughs> John, you have a great weekend. Safe travels up to here to New York and. Uh, have a good time with uh, the Bartolo Cologne panel, my friend. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That was John Sapinaro. John is a comic host, actor, writer, voiceover artist. The man does it all, but most importantly, he is a Mets fan and co-host till Mets do his part with Matt Ibi Ibanez, a Mets podcast, a part of Chop Sports Media. That will wrap up this episode of the Subway to Shea podcast. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Subway to Shea. Also, TikTok, that as well, is also at Subway to Shea. Listen to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Casts. Turn on your notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. If you're a new listener to this podcast, welcome. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you consider subscribing on any of the platforms I just mentioned. Also, make sure to share it with your fellow Met fans. Let them know that they should be listening to Subway to Shay. If you've been a supporter this whole time, I can't thank you enough. This show wouldn't be where it is without you and because of you. Subway to Shay is global. This podcast is not only played in the United States, but also has reaches across the globe. So no matter where you listen, please take a few minutes to write me a review and let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. I want to make this show better each and every week. So go on Apple Podcasts, go on Spotify, and rate the show from one to five stars. On Apple Podcasts, you can leave comments in the review section. Helps me to know what you think. Don't forget also to follow my work for Rising Apple. Rising Apple is a New York Mets site on the fan-sided network. You can read my articles as well as the rest of the crew. We got a good crew out there on Rising Apple, and you can read all of our articles by going to risingapple.com or checking out the links in the description of this week's podcast episode. Make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at Rising Apple Blog and fan-sided network at fan-sided. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I appreciate you very much, and that will do it for this week's podcast. Don't forget, listen, subscribe, share, and review. For Anthony Rivera, you've been listening to Subway to Shea. And always remember, let's go Mets.